0: hi friends it's your go harpo Welcome to this episode of Round Go Guilt titled Eldest Sibling Syndrome. Now, before you ask me, yes, this is a real condition. Uh, Many of us suffer from it. And if you try to tell me it's not real, I'm going to tell you one thing. I've been living with eldest sibling syndrome since I was eight, and I know for a fact that it's real. Now, so much of my identity is wrapped up into being an older sibling to a younger sibling and more specifically being an older sister and even more specifically being an older sister to a younger brother. And there's so much of how I carry myself through the world that is rooted in being this older sister, this older sibling. There's so many personality traits, so many values that I have, so many ways that I make decisions and don't make decisions, and so many ways that I show up for myself and other people that is literally rooted in this identity of being an older sibling. And I think so much of the way that I have carved who I am has come from being Uh, you know, an older sister to a younger human being in the house. And so I'm excited to chat with my friend Manjot in this episode because her and I bond so much over the fact that exactly her and I are older siblings, and we also suffer from eldest sibling syndrome. And even more specifically, when Joth and I are both older sisters to younger brothers. And the reason that I mention that we're older sisters to younger brothers is because the both of us live in Surrey. The both of us grew up in Surrey, and so did our brothers. And I think that we watched over our brothers like hawks in their lives. And we made sure that, you know, whether it was us taking the bullets or it was us preventing the bullets, um, we really sheltered our brothers from everything that was happening around them. And perhaps that was to their detriment or perhaps to our detriment. We'll never really know about their detriment. But I think what we're going to talk about is how it might have been detrimental to us in our growth, but then also how it has. Had contributed to our growth. So I'm super excited. If you're an older sibling and you're listening to this, you might be able to relate. And if you're a younger sibling or middle sibling, or, you know, if you've got someone in your life who is an older sibling, I'm so freaking excited for y'all to finally pay your dues. All right. You're going to listen to this episode and then you're going to go and you're going to go give your older sibling either a mother's day gift or father's day gift, because often we are the mothers and fathers in your lives. We're the third parents in your lives and seldom do we ever get that recognition. I mean, not that I've ever done that for that recognition, but come on a mother's day gift here and there would be nice. Just get it. If you're listening to this. Hello, Munjoth, my dear eldest sibling syndrome sufferer. (laughs) Hello
1: to you too, Harpo, my fellow eldest sibling sufferer. (laughs) It's quite the tongue twister at this point. It really is. I never, it's just like being an eldest sibling. Just a tongue twister.
0: Oh my God. That's so true. It just as I just as how complicated it is to be an elder, like an older sibling. Um, that's just how complicated it is. I actually had to keep like reminding myself of the title of this episode because I didn't want to like, there's so many different variations. So you can say older sibling, eldest sibling, elder sibling. So the one that we're going to go with is the eldest sibling syndrome.
1: It just rolls right off the tongue.
0: (laughs) What doesn't roll off the tongue and what isn't easy is actually being the eldest sibling. So I'm super excited to chat with you about just that in this episode, because I think um, what everyone kind of needs to know is that I was actually first friends with Manjot's younger brother, Kamal. Kamal and I went to school together. We've been friends for ages, and I think that he was kind of the catalyst for bringing me and Munjoth together because when I met Munjoth, I was like, oh my God, there is someone that I can finally relate to when it comes to being The older sister to the younger brother that I have. And, you know, Kamal sometimes will get super envious and he'll get really confused why I'm seeing Minjoth more than I'm seeing him. But I think it's because I was in a place in my life that I really needed someone like Minjoth to be around me to really be able to unpack, like, what is it that I was experiencing and what I was navigating. Um, And it's always so interesting to me that that's how our relationship started. But, Minjoth, I want to know from you, um, you know, what was it like for you to finally? me maybe not finally maybe you have people in your life but what was it like for you to meet someone like me who was also going through something similar with you know the the idea of being an older sister to a younger brother
1: it was really interesting because at that point I hadn't ever met someone else going through what I had gone through or was going through it was interesting because You always put yourself in this place where you're like, okay, it's just me. And then realizing, wait a second, it's not just me. There's other people out there just like me who are going through the same situations and the same feelings and emotions. And there's no one really guiding the conversation. It was this moment of, okay, I'm going to be that person for Harpo that I wish I had along the way to help me navigate through Complexities rather than relying on Google.
0: Yeah, I mean, how how are you supposed to Google? Hey, um, I'm really sick and tired of being this person to this other person, and um, like Google, tell me how to do it. You know, it's interesting because you know when I recorded those episodes with um my mom and dad, um, a lot of young people, and I and I mentioned this because Minjoth is an outreach worker um for the Surrey School District, and again, soon to be a teacher. I don't know if I was allowed to say that or not. Um, yeah,
1: I'm working yeah. as a
0: teacher in the fall so that is going to be my new position yeah so manjot is you know works a lot with young people and what a lot of young people were actually saying is like this idea that like they also were being older siblings um to younger siblings and then navigating those relationships in, in such a way that it was like really confusing for them and having heard um people like Harpo, people like Minjot speak about it so openly was actually giving them um, a kind of blueprint and a toolkit to navigate it on their, uh, for themselves as well. I think we, we learned what it was like. And I think like, I didn't even awake to this idea that like, oh, so much of my identity is rooted in being an older sister until like my early twenties and, you know, being in a therapy session. But I think it's so cool that, you know, we can have people like us in even, let's say the context of this episode to chat about like, okay, you know what, this is actually important. And you know, even though we laugh it off and, you know, I mean, the intro and then also like the description of the episode are so jokes, but you know, the fact that it is so important to so many of us and it is actually such a big part of our lives.
1: It is. And I was seeing it in the kids I work with that so many of these kids, their identity is only being the eldest sibling, that they are then the caretaker The relationship expert, the middleman, the person that has to navigate the younger sibling and the parents, the person that navigates the younger sibling and possibly even their school, because you are the person in that school. The teachers may be coming to you and being like, So this is happening to your younger sibling, or that's happening. Can you help out? And getting put into this role unintentionally by adults sometimes because as the older eldest sibling you can be the person who knows your younger sibling the best but then your relationship with your younger sibling is changing from that of a sibling to sibling to sibling caretaker sibling it really messes up those lines and in our indo-canadian community it happens so often to the eldest female sibling, but it happens across cultures. It's not just a, this is an Indo-Canadian thing. This is a immigrant thing. This is a, just being the eldest sibling, you can fall into this role no matter what.
0: I think it's so interesting that you mentioned that it's across cultures and especially in immigrant communities, because I think so many of our parents come to countries where they don't necessarily speak the language or they're working. Um, and so they're not perhaps around a lot. I know my younger sibling has received much more time with his parents than I received with my parents. And I, I love to say like my parents and his parents, because I think that they are different parents. They were different parents to me and they're different parents to him. But I think that because they were working because there were language barriers, often our parents have had to rely on the older siblings to help navigate systems um, for the younger siblings that they actually weren't feeling super well versed in. So when you're mentioning like the teachers speaking to the older sibling instead of the parent, that's so true. I remember, you know, when my brother was in grade five, like the grade five teacher asked me to come in, um, alongside with a parent, it wasn't like, um, you know, parent bring parent. It was like older sibling, bring a parent. We need to have a discussion about the younger sibling. And, you know, in that moment, like it was awesome. I was like, oh my God, power. I love this. But then later on in like therapy, I was like, no, I really wish I wasn't in that conversation because you know what it does is what you mentioned. It blurs the lines between that sibling to sibling relationship. And, you know, I remember superwoman Lily Singh, she had this video where she was like calling her older sister, the third parent. And we have a running joke in my family too, that, you know, my brother has three parents, I'm the third parent, but I think it's so detrimental to that relationship that I crave um, as as a person who has a sibling to have that sibling to sibling connection. And I think like the most detrimental thing for me is that I'm, I'm raising a child without actually being a parent. Like I didn't actually sign up to be a parent, but I'm being pushed into parenting spaces. And I don't know the first thing about it because I'm young. I haven't actually chosen to be a parent. I'm not in a place of mind and in place of life where, you know, I've chosen to parent and being thrown into a parent role when those aren't choices you've made is very hard.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, with the age difference between me and my brother, it is smaller than that of you and your brother. So I was in elementary school when I would go in for meetings with the teachers. Like, I was an elementary school student going into a situation where I'm being the translator. Or once in high school, like, it's still, like, that isn't you haven't developed enough to understand why you're in those situations, why a teacher has called in a meeting. You don't know. You don't know why they are doing the things they're doing as the adults. And you as the now child who is the translator, who is giving your parents advice, are coming at it from a lens that doesn't have experience. And it's crucial for you to know things like you can't just go in and become a parent and expect to keep relationships the right way, because you can then it fractures relationships, not just with your sibling, but also your parents because you develop this resentment towards them of why can't you do this? Why can't I just be a child that you have to then go back and, navigate and forgive them because it is a system that hasn't been set up for their success. And our systems and education need to be more supportive of our parents who are coming at it from immigrant backgrounds for them to know that there are resources within the school systems that can be reached out to. But if parents don't know that they're just going to rely on the eldest sibling. Mm Hmm.
0: Yeah, you walked right into what I was like thinking about talking about next is this, the idea of the parents, right? The parents in this picture. I think that there's a few different things that I think about when when I hear the word parents in this dynamic. I think the first is that us as the older siblings are parenting a lot. We're parenting not only our younger siblings, we're also parenting um, our parents. And I want to talk about parenting ourselves a little bit later on because I, you know, I want to talk about all of the impact of this internally, not just externally. But I think the fact that we're also parenting our parents and teaching them systems when we are so young is actually very detrimental. I, I remember, you know, a long time ago, talking openly about this idea of reverse parenting or uh, parentification that happens where you're parenting your parents when you're, when you're the, actually you're the child and it has a lot of psychological impacts and has a lot of emotional, you know, um, impacts as well on the person that is doing the parentification. But I think the other element, and I don't know if this is true for you or anybody that was listening, um, And I mean this with a lot of love and on, on this side of everything, I hold a lot of compassion for my parents, but a lot of it for me for a long time was rooted in distrust of my parents as well to say, you know, before I worked through my own, my trauma, worked through my own, you know, like crap that everybody is handed to. Um, I actually didn't trust my parents because I was like, you didn't raise me right. And I'm not letting you raise this person in the same way as well. And again, I say that, you know, with the, with the caveat now that I'm, I've worked through those things. And, and in a place before that I was in is where I thought those things, but I actually didn't trust my parents. I used to think, no, you know, you guys messed me up and I'm not letting you mess him up because I love him far too much. And now I have the awareness and I can step back and I can look at all of the faults and I look at all the cracks and I know I've equipped myself enough that I'm just going to actually step in. And so even though sometimes that that role of us being the third parent to the sibling might be enforced onto us. I think for me, somewhere along the way, it became voluntary. And I don't know if voluntary is actually even the right word because circumstances pushed me into a space as such that made it feel like it was voluntary. But perhaps I think it was like I actually chose to do that because I was you know, so, um, just not okay with the idea of letting them repeat what had happened with me. Again, that's not anywhere for me to decide on this side of all of it. I don't think that it was my decision to parent their child. Um, but I think I did it as a trauma response.
1: It becomes almost second nature. It's a second skin you're now wearing of, okay, all this has happened. I'm going to be hard because of it. I've hardened up because of the traumas, the experiences with my own parents. And I want to be that person for my sibling in the 21st century, in the now who understands our Western society, because how our parents grew up in India, possibly, is totally different than here in Canada so how is it that we can then expect that they are going to get the systems understand everything and we kind of are the test child as i refer to it the first child's always the one that you're practicing everything on and figuring things out as a parent but they've never been taught how to be a parent. I don't know, does anyone ever get taught how to be a parent?
0: I think we we are we're getting taught how to be a parent by you know, I think it's actually kinda funny. Like I get to try it out on you before I have my own kids, you know? Right. Like I can, I can take out all the tools. I can try it all out here and whatever doesn't work. I won't do again. We're just kind of, you know, that's what you get for me being this person in your life. Um, But no, I think that's so true. I think that they're not taught. And so I think for me, I also was like wearing this like weird complex where I was like, you haven't been taught. But I know better than you. So I'm just going to do it. And honestly, it wasn't until I started to tell like my first therapist back in like 2019 that I'm just going to say it out loud. I said to her, I don't want to be this person, but I keep feeling like I am forced to be this person. And she was like, well, then just don't, don't be that person, you know? When he comes to you for permission to things, when he comes to you to ask you for things that he should really be going to his parents to, you're enabling him by stepping into that role. You can back up and you can simply say, I don't know, please ask mom and dad, or I can't do this, please go ask mom and dad. I think just those two simple sentences were so liberating. And I I was really afraid that it was going to hurt him at first, or that it was going to impact him at first. But I really had to trust that, you know, despite the way that I was raised, or despite the shortcomings that I thought I saw in my parents, you know, before knowing that they were just doing their best, and that they were parents for the first time with me, um, that I turned out fine. You know, I turned out okay, and I figured it out, and so will he. I'm going to say this. You
1: turned out more than okay knowing (laughs) you. You are an amazing young woman, and you are accomplishing so much. So don't sell yourself short. Thank you. I turned out
0: fantastic, peeps, all right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like you are You are an amazing human being. You have to give yourself like respect for that. You, Mm -hmm. in a sense, raised yourself as well along the way. And you have learned so much at a young age, at an older age. And I think that also attributes to being an older, eldest sibling. Mm -hmm. It's also hard setting those boundaries, though. Yeah. When you have to go in and set those boundaries with your sibling, with your parents, it's like, can I even do this? And are they going to listen? Mm-hmm. Are they going to actually take into consideration what I'm telling them and respect what I'm saying to them? Or are they still going to view me as a child who doesn't know as much? Because there's like this weird I don't know if it, I saw it for myself like my parents still view me sometimes this was early in my 20s as this child still and so if I would say something it didn't always click as like this is me as an adult saying this not your child mm. saying this so it took a while for them to really realize like I'm coming up from a place of actually experiences and feelings and emotions. And I don't think our Indo-Canadian society is very emotion driven. So <laughs> coming from a place of feelings and emotions, like what is this? What are our feelings?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember like one time my, I was just, you know, because I've, I've i I've adopted this identity and I, I say adopted because I'm still trying to figure out if it actually is who I am or if it's who I've become, but adopted this like very, um, like controlling, uh, identity, like, and not in a, in a manipulative way in a, in a domineering way, but someone who needs to know what's happening at all times, someone who steps in, takes over. And I remember my dad saying to me once, he was like, I'll say it in Punjabi first and then I'll translate it. But he said, and uh, he's like, which basically means like stopping so bossy or whatever. And I just like stepped back and I didn't say anything to him at the time, but then I went to my room and I was like, why did that comment make me so upset? And the reason it made me so upset was because I was like, well, you forced me right into this position because of the way that the system forced you into this way and forced everybody into this way like it was a it was a big grander thing right but the mm-hmm. the implications of it were that I was forced into this role. I didn't choose to be this person. I didn't choose to be a baby. I didn't choose to be controlling. Um, Circumstances as such forced me into this. And now you're putting me down for being that person when I never even chose to be this person in the first place. And of course I'm going to be a baby because you enabled it. You made it this person. And so I think like undoing that and then sitting with that hurt and sitting with why that comment made me so upset. And again, like now on this side of all of it, having the privilege to sit down and ask myself, do I actually want to be this person? Am I actually this person has been so rewarding. It has been so liberating. But I remember it, like you said, always being frustrated about not being taken seriously when it was like, How am I not being taken seriously as an adult voice, as an adult energy in this house when that's the role that I've been playing for all these years? And so how dare you now turn around and tell me that I can't hold that place when I have been holding that place and I've been holding it down. What I really wanted to talk about was this also this idea of like, parenting ourselves. We, you know, this this question that I wanted to ask of you that I mentioned in the beginning of this episode as well, is that so much of like who I am is rooted in my identity as the older sibling and especially as an older sister to a younger brother. And so much of who I am and how I govern, like my, like the way that I speak to myself, the way that I show up or don't show up for myself, um, you know, the way that I relate and have interpersonal relationships with other people. So much of it is rooted in this identity as an older sibling. And I'm just so curious to know with you, like how much of your identity is rooted in that identity as well. And you know, how much or how little of it do you see yourself carrying, um, this part of your identity moving forward?
1: so that made up a large portion of who i was like being the older sibling the eldest sibling like i held on to that as the first thing in my identity it wasn't that i'm manjot this outgoing person it's like i'm manjot i'm Gummel's sister like that is not even i kid you not that's how i introduce myself to people When I was younger it's like you'll know who my brother is then you'll know me I was his sister I wasn't Manjot the global issues student council person I was Manjot Gummel's sister which is trippy because you are your own person before you are someone else's person and even now within my friend groups, I'm referred to as the mom because of just my nature and how I was nurtured as a child to be a caretaker. I present more so with those qualities that are more quote unquote motherly. And it's like, but I don't want to be that. And so in my 20s, it was really going back and undoing a lot of that work and finding out who I am outside of my identity at home, and my work identity, because the work I do is so important to me, but it ties back into that place of nurture and caring and compassion. But I also don't want to lose those things about me because they do make me who I am. My compassionate, caring nature are part of who I have become, and I am not ashamed of that. But I do need to set those boundaries up because you can get walked all over for being so caring and compassionate and wanting to kind of take control of situations and make sure everything's okay. Letting go of wanting everything to be okay is the hardest thing of this relearning of identity of who
0: am I? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so many things actually just came to my mind. Um, The first one was like, you can see me, but my face like dropped when you said that you're the mom in your friend groups, because yeah, like I, I very much embody that role in so many spaces where I just become this like maternal energy. A bunch of my friends actually said happy mother's day to me in the group chat on mother's day. (laughs) And I think it is because I've adopted this like very nurturing caretaking energy And I think like, I love doing that. I do love like hosting. I think, I think like who I am, even in the space of like Brown Girl Guild and a lot of my professional capacities, this idea of like facilitating and hosting actually comes a lot from being this like nurturing, caretaking um, person in in the life of my brother. Um, But what it does is like you said, I think even though I love it, sometimes it's really hard to like set parameters around it and have boundaries around it. Um, and then also like, I think what it does is it sets you up as the, like the strong one. And I actually pulled up a quote just now that I saw on Instagram this morning. It's so funny. I saw it this morning. I saved it and I'm going to read it out. It says it's a tweet and it says being labeled as strong allows people to believe they don't have to check up on you. It's condescending being praised for how well I endure pain or hard times. I'm deserving of ease of support community. I deserve life to treat me gently. I think that's something that that's a consequence of who I've become based on this entire identity, because I think I'm always the one that's checking in on people and taking care of everybody that seldom do I ever find that people are taking care of me. And if I do have people that are taking care of me, who are checking in on me, I'm very, very uncomfortable by it. And it seems really, really, frustrating and annoying and it seems irritating. So like every time I get like a, a a message of someone checking in on me, I, I get bugged by it. But at the core, I think I get bugged by it because I'm not used to it. And I think that in and of itself is sad. And then the last thing that you said is like letting go of the control of, or like letting go of the idea that everything needs to be okay. I'll share something kind of eerie. Um, you know, and I, I think for me, um, I, I do a lot of clearing and healing in my dream space. So my dreams actually really help me release a lot. And I had a dream once where my brother was laying on the floor with a gunshot wound in his forehead, right in the middle of his head face. And it sounds really dark, but I had to step away and look at the bigger picture and, and kind of understand the messaging of that dream. And for me, I think the dream was that the meaning was like, I can do everything in my power to protect this human being. I can do everything to make sure he's okay. He's well-equipped. He's well-fed. You know, he gets his rides wherever he needs to go. I mean, he has a license now and I never see him anymore. Um, but you know, I can do everything in my power to make sure that this person has a good life by my standards and he'll still make decisions that might take him away from me one day, or he'll still make decisions that are going to be the best for him and maybe not the best for me. And I have to let go. I have to stop wanting to protect him because I cannot attach myself to someone this much. You know, my entire existence cannot be predicated on the survival and the thriving of another human being. I think that dream was so powerful for me. And I think it really helped me let go of this idea that everything has to work out.
1: It's so hard too, because We have brothers who are, they're brown boys in a space where we know what's happening to our brown boys out there. Mm -hmm. So that fear also drives us in wanting to protect them and wanting to make sure they don't make that wrong move, but we can't control the choices they make because they are also their own person who has ownership over themselves and it's challenging to like think because when they're a kid, it's a little different, but Mm -hmm. as they get older and older that independence that they've established and gained from the parent from parents and in themselves is scary to see. And we can't let that fear dictate how we develop, keep those relationships with them, because it has to be that sibling to sibling relationship that isn't based out of
0: fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. I was, I was thinking the exact same thing as you were speaking. That so much of it is rooted in fear, and fear at an existential level, yes, but then fear in very specific ways that. Only like you and I can really understand when we're talking about it. You know, I think like you said it the best, we have brown boys in our homes growing up in a space where it's not the safest, not the most conducive (laughs) to be a brown boy. And so we're not only acting as their parents, but we're acting as the system that needs to be in place to protect these brown boys. And, you know, Opening up and allowing for dialogue, allowing for the conversation of feelings, allowing our brothers to be able to come home and have someone to talk to and dump on without like thinking about it. Like, I've always just made myself, and I even, even with all this awareness, I think I will always just allow it because the other side of it is really, really scary. And the other side of it is so horrible that I would rather just me take all of it just to ensure that this human being, this Brown boy is safe and he's making good decisions. He's got good people in his life and that he's not ending up in a place that might actually ruin me. You know,
1: that dream, that nightmare coming true is the fear Mm -hmm. And if you can just be that person to be there to listen to him, that's all you need to do as a sister. Because being the sibling is about listening. It's about hearing them out, their ideas, their dreams, their wishes, their goals, and giving them some guidance. But not being the parent in that situation like it is this very unique fine line that you have to navigate not to get back into a place of being the parent mm-hmm. and then not being seen as oh you're gonna go tell mom and dad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're gonna say something and then you're gonna go run and off and tell mom and dad and it's like no I'm going to be there for you. But if you're making a choice that is going to hurt yourself or somebody else, and I say this to the kids I work with, if you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else, I I have to tell somebody. Yeah.
0: I say it to my brother all the time. I got to tell mom and dad, I'm sorry, but you just disclosed something that I don't know how to handle. And I'm scared for yourself and I'm scared for everyone around you. So mom and dad going to find out. And you know what? I'm sorry. That's the way it is. I'm not your parents, but you know, we're coming to the end of this episode, Manjot. And I wanted to ask you if there was one piece of advice that you could give to, I think let's, I want to do a double dip, you know? So if there's one piece of advice that you could give to an older sibling listening to this episode, what would it be? And if you could give some advice to a younger sibling who's listening to this episode, what would it be?
1: I'm going to start with the younger sibling. Mm -hmm. And I want to say this to the younger siblings out there. Be grateful for your older siblings and just know that where they're coming from is a place of compassion and wanting the best for you. And they're trying to navigate their own identity, while making sure that you're safe and cared for and loved. And as the older sibling, you have to let go. You have to let go of being that eldest sibling that's the caretaker, the parent. You have to go out there and figure out who you are and what your dreams are because you are the only one who can make that happen for yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love all of that. And I guess my last words are going to be that, you know, for a lot of us listening, this might actually have been the first time that you felt this heard this seen, and this understood. And if that's the case, I want to send you so much love and say, I'm sorry that didn't happen before, but I'm also very, very happy that it's finally happened. And that we've unpacked a lot, and I'm sure you've also unpacked a lot. And I want you to take care of yourself because navigating these conversations and navigating these actual truths about our lives is not easy. It's important, but it's not easy. So take care of yourself. You can either talk to me, and if you really felt connected to Manjoth, you could talk to Manjoth as well, but find someone in your life to connect to because, again, opening this box and unpacking it is not easy. And with all this newfound information, I hope you're going to take care of yourself and I guess that's it. Thank you so much, Manjot, for being on this episode, for having this conversation and for being that guiding light in my life that I can actually turn to and and send voice notes about little things when, you know, my brother comes home with a moose knuckle jacket and I'm like mad about it. And I don't know why I'm mad about it. And I can send you a voice note and we can talk about it. So thank you so much for just being that person. And like you said, being to Harpo what you wanted to have for yourself.
1: No problem. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that this allows others to realize that they're not alone, that there are people out there who are experiencing the same thing they are, and if anyone needs someone to talk to, I'm always there. I'm a person that is easy to reach out to and who will give some guiding light to them, and I hope that this has helped you too, Harpo, to really let go of being the eldest sibling a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, my brother is definitely not listening to my podcast episodes, but let's hope he listens to this one. Just get it. If you're listening, I want a mother's day gift. (laughs) Bye-bye.